Okay. But once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Welcome back to 88.3 WHT's After Further Review. Got David the God Man Harris on the phone lines, and he's got his week one, week zero, or I guess college football winners and losers. I think we did that last week. So you got your week one winners or losers. And you know what, David? Let's just basically get to, to the meat and potatoes of it. Make sure you also check out the University of Toledo Rockets. They take on UMass, a former MAC opponent. Uh, they're playing at the Glass Bowl at, I believe. What they What'd you say? I mean, were they really, you know, former of the MAC? Were they just really like? Do we really say that they're in the MAC like as a competition? Like competition? Like, like they were a part of the conference, but they really weren't. It's kind of like Kansas. Like you're here, but. True, true. That is true. Like you said, what we said on the show, when you take out the M and U mass, what do you have? You have you ass and that's how the team was in the mac east but it was cool that the actually the the teams used to go over to umass their home field was at foxborough so that was one cool thing about it but yes they've come back to the glass bowl to, to play the rockets they've they've played teams tough they just would lose close games but let's get to the meat and potatoes of everything here all right david take it away your week one winners and losers yeah, it's been an exciting kickoff to the start of the college football season for most teams, I would say. Some, and we'll get to them in the loser segment, not as happy, but we'll start off with the winners as always. The first winner, just high-powered offenses. There were, and we like to say, and we mentioned it last week, that there were a lot of schools that like to use week one as a tune-up game where you're playing an FCS opponent, you pay them the big money, and... They just take the butt whooping. And that wasn't the case for a lot of the teams, but there were a lot of games where they're dropping, as Frank would say, 50 and 60 burgers. Like, there's being in tune offensively and defensively, and then there's just pouring it on. And I think a lot of teams really used week one to really pour it on offensively just to get things clicking and going, which... Isn't a bad thing, we must say. It's not a bad thing for teams that are supposed to be better to be, like, dominantly better. But usually, it was, it was just nice to see just in general. Isn't that normally what happens in week one, though? Usually there's just some opponents that are just not very good and they're getting a 60-piece put on them no matter what. Or you just see teams that look sloppy. Um, I mean, you've got to remember, they don't have a preseason in, in, in college football, so you get right to it. And it's a little bit different playing preseason games and just practicing against the same people all the time. So, you, obviously, you see teams that are just totally outmatched, 
And then you see sometimes like Ohio State versus Notre Dame where the defense was on point, but the offense just needs a little bit of working on. Yeah, and some schools, so I'm thinking like when you look at the Miami Bethune-Cookman where, you know, you're giving money to an HBCU just to, you know, drop 70 on them. Like, like for new offenses, you can understand that just because, okay, new offense, new system, new regime, you kind of want to figure out when bullets are flying and are not playing again. Teams, like your teammates, that you like you don't want to embarrass in practice and you're not going as hard. So there's a lot of that, but just the amount of really competitive or non-competitive games that we saw, I don't want to say it's an indication of what we're seeing in terms of the evolution of the game, where if you're not blowing teams out as an offense, then you know, that's going to be a problem. I think... Yeah, just kind of the week one is it's supposed to be tune-up. You're supposed to see what works, see what won't work, so that by the time you get to the conference play or deep into conference play, like you know who your stars are, you know what you're going to run, and you have enough tape to know, okay, here's where we need to improve. Who's the next winner? All right, just in general, rivalry is renewed, and we talked a little bit about it last week. But just seeing Pitt and West Virginia like play again like that, those are kind of things that we like to see. And this week we'll see a couple more like quote unquote rivalries renewed. Particularly thinking this week of the Cyhawk Trophy, Iowa and Iowa State. Like these non-conference games where fan bases hate each other to the point where you know there's the slogans, there's the hashtags like. I miss rivalries in college football. And now that we're in an age where it's probably like we're in the dying Denver's of seeing like two rivalries of the, you know, yesteryear. Like we need to enjoy these rivalries while we can get them. So seeing. Do you know why Oklahoma, they, can I ask you why did they do it where they hadn't played in like 11 years? They didn't play for 11 years. Yeah, I think part of it is scheduling with the conferences and conference alignment and then the non-conference play, trying to figure that out. So similar, and I mentioned last week, like similar with Pitt and Penn State, or it's similar to why Oklahoma and Nebraska have taken forever to play. And that's one of the historic rivalries of yester-yesteryear. Like there are a lot of teams, like once you find a new conference and you have to schedule those in and, you know, figure out the non-conference opponents, you know, decades in advance. Like, there's some schools where you're able to see some of that thing, and it's mapped out, and it's also contracts. Like, you know, it's hard to say, hey, well, we'll keep up this commitment that we had when we were in in the same conference, and now, years, years later, when ADs are changed, coaching staffs are changed, you know, four or five times, People that were committed to those deals are now out of the picture. So you're like, yeah, why, why do we need to do this? But, but when it happens, you see how much it means. And I think it's a lot harder if there's not a trophy involved. Like, Iowa and Iowa State will always play each other because there's a trophy. I mean, yeah. Like, actually, when is, that, when is that game, actually? The Cyhawk is today. That's what I thought. Usually it's the first or second game of the season. 
Yeah, we'll get to Iowa in a second, but they probably they probably would have wanted it to be like the, the ninth because all eyes are on Iowa right now. Well, the thing about the it Lord. is also former head, Toledo Rockets head coach Matt um, Matt Campbell Campbell is there as well. So I always keep a lookout on on him for Iowa State. He's really at least turned that program around to be consistent. Yeah, and, and it's good to see. Obviously, we know of his work here in Toledo, and we know kind of the success he had, which led him to the job in um, in Ames. But yeah, we're hoping for him to win because Iowa State, you know, not handed off into Iowa State football, but they're they're looking for expectations to be met because they've had a couple of letdowns recently where they've been high in the rankings, they've had success, and then the debilitating loss kind of sucked the momentum out, but. They, they get good players. We know that Campbell's going to recruit well. We know that they're always going to play in tens because they embody the coach. We know that they're going to be class individuals on and off the field because that's what Coach Campbell taught. I keep going. And, and the last the last winner for me is the fans because, one, college football is back. Two, gambling is back. And, and three... I mean, we, like, students look forward to this more than I would say probably any other aspect of the school year. Like, when college sports, in particular college football, is in, you can see the excitement. You can see the fans jumping. Those time-honored traditions of, you know, in the stands, singing songs, doing certain kind of rituals before the game, during the game, halftime. Like, all of that is back, and so for these students, particularly for first years that are new to all of this, um, kind of getting to experience that for the first time as a student rooting for their school, I feel like it, college football is back, and we're all happy for it. Keep going. And now we're switching over to the losers, and... Thinking about those fans in general, the UCLA, the UCLA Bowling Green game, and it got blasted on social media. Hey, no one showed up. First of all, it's a non-conference game. Most people at UCLA can't tell you where Bowling Green, Ohio, is on a map. It's a it's a MAC school, and we're just going to be honest. No one respects the MAC. True. That is that is um, that is true. It, it, UCLA they. I'm pretty sure they thought it was going to be a yawn or it was going to be a blowout. So why go that? I mean, that, let's just be honest. They're not getting up for Bowling Green. And you're right. Probably a lot of them couldn't tell you where it was on the map. They probably thought it was in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah, Bowling Green, Kentucky. It's a 9 a.m. You know, start. You know, early start for them when classes aren't in session. So that's another aspect. Plus, you're having it. It's not on campus like most. College stadium, so you have to travel up to Pasadena. Like, so there are a lot of people are going to go on. Oh, UCLA doesn't have any fans. Fair other fans. It's a non-conference game. Like, if we're just going to be honest, how many? And we also obviously have the attendance. Like, how many people are showing up for Long Island last week? Not many. Like, many? I mean, the, the students came because it was hype. But as soon as the game got out of hand. The students left. I mean, that has been UT games as well. When you usually play the New Hampshire's or the FCS schools, first game of the season, 
obviously you're going to get the freshmen, maybe some sophomores to the game. Student section's packed, but if the game's not closed and it gets out of hand, students are gone. I mean, the only time, you know, unless, you you know, we had Iowa State a few years ago or Boise State comes to town is when you really have a big crowd and they try to stay throughout the game if the game's competitive. But other than that, you're right. If it's a, it's a, yeah. if it's a lesser team, a lot of fans aren't going to come. Yeah, and, and again, like, coming and driving to Pasadena, like, you're not sitting in traffic for a game that's not going to matter. Or that doesn't matter for you. And also, too, how many fans are traveling from Bowling Green, Ohio? Granted, I mean, you're flying out to L.A., so that's an expensive. But, like, like outside of family of the players, why, why go? I, why, yeah, so, like, all the social media people that are, like, blasting UCLA fans for, quote-unquote, not showing up when it, the semester hasn't started yet, and it's... A school that none of them know about other than the football team and even them they only know about it because they're on the schedule and you know they probably had the fight song playing in the locker room to get them hyped that, that is saying, a story yeah yeah saying, saying out west oregon um understand new head coach new program new organization you not new organization but kind of new organizational staff and everyone Bring in transfer quarterback Bo Nix from Auburn. First game against the defending champs. Like, I, I really feel bad for Bo Nix because he was like, look, I left Auburn to get away from these dudes. And now you're dragging me back in. It's like, all of my life I had to fight. And now you're bringing me back into the SEC hole. Like, Oregon got embarrassed. And I know a lot of people were surprised, but I'm not. Because Georgia's supposed to be good. Now, everyone thought Oregon was going to be better than that, but, again, when you have a quarterback that's seeing ghosts one and two, knows that when they're hot, they're hot. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to see why, why people are surprised that um, Oregon got embarrassed the way that they did. Well, they're, they're, they're yeah, I, I thought that, too, that, they're rebuilding, even though it's a, a top team. And even the announcer said that this isn't really uh, uh, an Oregon, Oregon, or Oregon from the from the past. It, it is what it is. And then for the fact that I guess maybe one of the losers you could say is Ohio State going down some slots because of the way that game, how the impact of that actual game. Yeah. Oregon looked rough on Ohio State, even though they won and came out flat in the first half. And I mean, like, I understand the weight of expectations, but thinking about Oregon losing your best defensive player, losing a lot of your offense, new new quarterback that has to get acclimated. And Georgia's good. I don't know if people watched them last year, but their defense is really good. A lot of them got drafted in the first two days of the NFL draft. Like, they... Georgia knows how to produce defensive players. Offensively, Stetson kind of feasted a little bit. That's not going to happen, obviously, but... But, yeah. Oregon... Oregon is not going to dominate this conference like they had the past... Like, we've seen 
off and on over the past decade. Oh, okay. Keep going. Moving a little bit more eastward. I mentioned he's a little bit early in the winter section. Iowa football. Like, that that game against South Dakota State, like, I'm I'm 31 years old for at least the next couple of weeks. I've never seen a football game that awful. Like, ever. Like, high school, college, pro, like, that that game was embarrassing. I wouldn't be surprised if they burned that tape. Right. Like, like there's no evidence of that, like, of that tape being sent to anyone, getting out to the media. Like, they asked Fox to destroy evidence and footage. Like, it was, it was just bad. And we hope that Iowa is better now that it's a rivalry week and they're playing Iowa State. But literally, there is nowhere to go but off for Iowa football. It, well, but, it, yeah, but David, though, remember what I just said, though. It's, it's week one, so there's going to be a lot of sloppy-looking football. I mean, Jackson State really blew the doors off of Florida A&M. Now, they're pretty bad. But there's going to be some teams that are not going to look good early on that might look better later on in the season because, like I said before, you get into it, but you don't really get any scrimmages or preseason games or anything like that. It's just practice, 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 okay, play. So week zero and week one you're going to see a lot of bit of, a lot of sloppiness. Now some of that gets kind of buried away because some of the matchups are just so uneven. But, you know, I, I don't really get so critical in week 1. I'm just glad football is back, but I do expect that there's going to be some teams that are not going to play very well. Yeah, and, and I understand that expectation. I just think kind of when you bring in an FCS school like South Dakota State, it's supposed to be that tune-up game where you're supposed to at some point in the game, show your dominance. Like, hey, we are supposed and we, you know, seen the past couple of years, we're supposed to be a contender in this conference that at least represents the Big Ten West. Like, we're supposed to be a top 10, top 15, top 20 program by the end of the season. Now, obviously, they can still get there, but, like, they're sloppy, and then there's just wanting... As, as we know all too well from our time in the booth, wanting to swear at the players from the booth at what the bleep is happening down there. Like, it was, there was no really way to explain it other than this is unacceptable as a Big Ten football, as a, as a college football program. Like, defensively they played great, but like offensively, it's not as though they're having a brand new, like, everyone is new. Like, like there are some upperclassmen on that offensive side of the football that are just like, we got to play better. And, ho- and again, hopefully it starts today with the rivalry for a trophy with pride. But that, that team that we saw last week is not is not being a lot of teams that they should in the Big Ten. True. Keep going. Okay. And then our, our final loser, both schools that belong to the ACC from the state of North Carolina, coming up with... 
David, you keep, David, how do you keep hitting? Are you got the fa- phone to your face because you keep hitting the buttons? Nope. Oh, okay, keep going. Nope, nope, and remember the ACC, what the ACC really should stand for, the ASS. Yeah, yeah so both North Carolina schools as part of the ASS had to survive to escape non-conference victories. The game I was watching, North Carolina versus Appalachian State, we know App State well, the fame and history of them being upset specials. Starting with them, like, I don't know how Mac Brown does this. How he still has a job after all these years, knowing how many times he's given his fan bases near heart attack. We saw, I mean, we talked about Mac Brown all throughout his days in Texas. Like, I mean, and th- again, this is one of those teams where App State is obviously not like a normal kind of week one opponent because we know App State is deadly. They know App State is deadly. But to give up 40 points in the fourth quarter and make that game as close as it was, somebody in the defensive room is still running suicide right now. And that began last week. Like, they ran home from Boone, North Carolina, and are still sprinting in Chapel Hill. Like, I don't know where, but that defense is... But, yeah... They escape with a victory, and then North Carolina State ranked. A lot of expectations, a lot of pressure on NC State. Survives against East Carolina in a game that probably they deserve to lose, but again, kind of flip of the coin. Mistakes happen. One position here, one mistake there, and they survive. But yeah, North Carolina scaring a lot of people right now. And I don't know if people still expect NC State to be ranked at the end of the season. Time will tell. I don't know if people expect North Carolina to be a dark horse ACC title contender. Really, get to the championship game as a lot of people predicted. But yeah, shaky start, particularly defensively. And I think that's going to be the calling card, and that's going to be a sign to watch for throughout the season. Just how the North Carolina defense looks. Because if you can give up 40 points in the fourth quarter, you can give up 40 points throughout the game. Like, you you can't turn off in college football for any moment. Because the second you do, boom. You're, you're holding on and clinging on to a victory that you should have won with ease. Right. Uh, how about we go with these winners? We got some winners with the University of Toledo football who are who are associated with Toledo football. That's Mel Long, uh, Chuck Ely, and GP, aka Gary Pingle, as they were inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. I think they're being honored uh, later today uh, at the game. So th- th- those are some winners, and then also maybe some losers. Um, Alabama in the game if there if there's going to be a penalty if there's any type of horns down uh, uh, basically gestures if Alabama scores sometimes you know they have hook them horns and when they play in Texas they have the horns up if they do the horns down it could be a 15 yard penalty your thoughts uh, like I understand why but come on like, like if we're going to penalize that 
And there's a lot of celebrations that are going to get penalized from program, like that are program specific. So are you going to penalize anyone that does a tomahawk chop or the gator chop when Florida State plays Florida? Are you going to penalize someone if they play the U and they do the U, you know, facing upside down? I mean, like this can get, like I understand the, the intent of it and the heart of it, but this is a slippery, slippery slope, I think. And, I'll, yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. Um, and then, obviously, for the Rockets, great careers, great legacies, great, meaningful, or people that have left a lasting impact, not just on University of Toledo, Toledo Rockets football, the MAC, but just as men. You know, of great character and upstanding and well-deserved, all of them. Yeah, that, yes, that is that is true. Well, about the end in this segment here, uh, David, great winners and losers. Always can check it out on 88.3 WGT's SoundCloud and iTunes page, as we always load it up there if you miss the uh, segment. We also post it on our Facebook page, WGT's After Further Review. All of them have the picture of Frank Bashner with the horse's head. Coming up next, talk a little bit about video games. Madden, can have you played the new Madden? I have not played the new Madden yet. Ooh, nice. And also, NBA 2K, I heard, came out as well. I haven't played that, but I didn't really play. I just watched my brother actually play the games. Video games have come a long way. Very interesting. I mean, it's almost realistically realistic to watch. But we're going to talk about why does it that some it gets on players' nerves about their rankings. You want to give us a little tease? If you play well, then you might be ranked a little but if you're sitting on the bench, how can you be a 99, Kevin Durant? Ooh, shots fired. Listen to 88.3 WCTs after further review. We'll be back after this.